What's going on, everybody? Doug here, one of the host, producers, and creators of the John Review Life Podcast, bringing you a review bonus episode this week. You miss us? We've been gone for a couple of weeks. Part of that is my responsibility. I was traveling to New York for a family wedding, but I'm back in Phoenix now. Uh, Joelle is traveling to Chicago. He's moving back there from Houston. Uh, Nick, I believe, is traveling to Seattle this week, so we have some safe travels to Seattle. And I believe Moses is working on post-production of a short film, which is his follow-up to the award-winning film, Golds, which we're very proud of him about, and we can't wait to see his movie. So this episode is going to be kind of like my quick review of the new Sony Pictures animation Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the follow-up to the 2018 smash hit, an Oscar-winning movie, actually, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And if you know me, listen, Spider-Man's my favorite superhero, favorite comic book. I remember seeing the first Tobey Maguire movie on DVD, and I was kind of just blown away by like, wow, this is what the magic of movies could be like, and superheroes. That was my first superhero movie I ever saw. It was 2002, Spider-Man on DVD. Uh, I think I saw that movie on DVD, actually, and I, I just love that movie so much. Um, but yeah, anyway, ever since I was a kid, Spider-Man's been a big part of my childhood. Childhood, teenage years, adulthood, and to, to this very day, it's, it's very important to me. I love the game. Uh, I, won a, I won the Spider-Man PS4 Pro bundle set on a raffle back in college because I was a huge Spider-Man fan, so all the pictures of me and my Spider-Man onesie growing up and my... Spider-Man Halloween costume, so Spider-Man's a big part of my life, and I can't wait to review this movie and give my ranking of all Spider-Man movies, both live-action and animated. As always, guys, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform of choice. While you're there, hit that follow button, leave a review and rating. It helps us out tremendously and helps us show it tremendously as well, so thank you guys, as always, for your support. Before we begin, actually... To our Phoenix listeners, we are you are in quite the luck actually. We are actually now giving away some really cool stuff. We're giving away giving away passes to this really funny movie called Joyride, which I highly recommend. I went to the press screening about a month ago. It's so funny, so much heart. It's one of my favorite probably movies of the year, if not one of my favorite comedies of the past two years. It's just fun seeing you know rated R movies back in the theater, you know, with a big audience. Uh, again, if you're a Phoenix, you're in luck. We're gonna give away a couple passes to the screening of the movie. There's gonna be two upcoming screenings. One will be June 14th, and that will be June 28th. All you got to do is go to our Instagram page, hit that link tree in our bio. Uh, the first link in the link tree, click that. I'll bring you to a Google Form sheet while you're there. Uh, fill your information. You can bring up to one guest. Uh, pick the date of choosing. And at the very bottom, I'm going to say, how did you hear this opportunity? Make sure to put us, John Your Life Podcast, or Doug, or maybe we have new productions. And I hope you enjoy the movie, guys, because it's super funny. I hope you can go. Um, if you have any questions about it, you can DM us on, on Instagram or send us an email at midwayavenuproductions.gmail.com or go to our website. We, we, have a, we also have links to the screenings there. Um, like I said, it's super funny, and we're going to give away a couple of passes if you're a Phoenix listener. So if you kind of want to see a movie early before anyone else, it's a good, frank, super funny comedy. I highly recommend jumping on that sooner than later because it's going to probably go by fast. So like I said, go to our Google form, Google, go to our Instagram, uh, link in the bio. Our link tree link will be there, or go to our website, uh, midwayavenuproductions.com, and there'll be, there'll be a screening tab on the website. Click that, scroll down, you'll find the link to the screening uh, RSVP Google form. Like I said, follow information, uh, bring up to one guest, and I hope you enjoy the movie. Alrighty. Like I said, this is going to be a Spider-Man-centric episode. Um, I already gave my whole spiel why I love Spider-Man so much. He's a big part of my you know, life as it is. Um, and to be frank, guys, you know what? I was not the biggest fan of the first Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. I think it's beautifully animated. I think the animation is gorgeous. Killer soundtrack gave us Post Malone and Sway Lee's song Sunflower, which is now like the most like streamed, downloaded song of all time, which is crazy. 
I remember being in college hearing that. I'm like, oh, this song's pretty catchy. Um, but yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan. I, you know, I, I adore Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who did the first one. You know, guys, dumb stuff like Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs, the Jump Street movies, the Lego movies. They were wrongfully fired from the uh, Han Solo movie, which I still this day have so much kind of like resentment against. Even though I love that movie without them, I still think they would have been even better with them included. But that's the point. Um, they're just very creative guys. I went to, actually went to a Q&A panel with them for an Oscar thing when I was living in L.A. a couple years back before COVID. And they're just, they love their animation so much, but also they just love like storytelling. And they they're so witty and they're so unique. They're so clever and they're very, you know, a lot of heart to their stories and seem like good dudes too. You know, I'm a big fan of all of their work, both of them. And so knowing that they were involved, I like the movies even better. But again, for some reason, the first one, it's good. It's a very good movie. I think it tells Miles Morales' origin story awesome. I love a good origin story. I think it was very fresh. It was unique. It was very innovative at the time because we were seeing a bunch of like superhero movies a lot. And that was the year of like, you know, we had great years that year. It was uh, Black Panther, which, you know, broke everything i mean it was just it was so groundbreaking and it was a huge part of the culture um affinity war another one groundbreaking huge cliffhanger it was kind of like wow we're seeing all these characters now off of like 10 years come together for this epic epic movie and also we got spider-man to the spider-verse so it was a very good year for superhero movies um but for some reason it just didn't click the way other people did for themselves maybe i saw it two weeks late to be honest too i thought i mean after the hype I know Joel saw that early screening. He's like, oh, bro, the movie's amazing. You know, and Joel's, you know, Puerto Rican Cuban. So as a Puerto Rican, he was very, like, touched out. There's a story about kind of, like, his culture and so on. Like, he can, like, you know, like, see himself in a little bit. Um, so I do think animation's gorgeous. Great soundtrack. Great voice acting. Shamik Moore was perfect casting as Miles Morales. I love Jake Johnson. I like Haley Steinfeld. It was all ground good casting. But some of the humor didn't really work for me t- entirely. I think it was a bit overhyped when I saw it, too, unfortunately. So... That could have been a factor of that, but either way, I think it's still gorgeously animated. You know, you, you see how much time they took into that. I love him wearing Jordan 1s, you know, Chicago and myself, you know, seeing the Jordan 1s and the kind of Bulls colors. Love it. Uh, chef's kiss. Um, and I think it was so rightfully uh, uh, awarded the uh, best animated feature of the year, the Oscars. I mean, nothing else kind of could touch close to it. I mean, how much effort and dedication and craftsmanship goes to the animation, especially that animation is just, again, fantastic. So I'm glad I won the Oscars. Again, love Chris, love uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller as well. So uh, well-deserved. But with this one, I went in skeptical because I didn't like the first one as much. This one was also very overhyped, and I was like, uh-oh, am I going to have the same thing? I love this movie. I think uh, as a Spider-Man fan, it hits all the notes. Um you know, I think the first if the Spider-Verse did a good job of kind of like setting, with, setting up with, with, kind of, with like the multiverse kind of is. And then a lot of movies kind of followed suit after that as we own No Way Home and, you know, Endgame and everything. So, uh, you know, it, it definitely, it definitely, you know, kind of like the first kind of like the real mainstream one I feel like in the Marvel uh, uh, kind of like uh, space of movies. But this one I really had a great time with. Um, I mean, what do we get? I think the animation, I think to me... A lot of my issues I had with the first one, I think they improved a lot on this one where the animation, which wasn't an issue for me in the first place, but the animation is still just beautiful. I mean, every frame is like a, it's like a work of art. It's beautifully shot. Um, it's crisp. It's just like, uh, it's literally, like, literally looking at a museum of art. Uh, I, mean, I think all the voice acting kind of elevates too. It should make more still killing it as uh, Miles Morales, as Spider-Man. I mean, again, who I love, uh, Brian, T- Brian Tyree Henry, who I love playing his dad. Great voice acting, 
Oscar Isaac, who I've been a big fan of since, you know, inside Lewin Davis, uh, really does a great job of playing uh, Miguel O'Hara. Um, Spider-Man 2099, Issa Rae, who I like a lot. Uh, great as Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew. You know, Kalua, who I've been watching since Black Mirror, was great as Hobby, Spider-Punk. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, who, I, who I'm a huge fan of. I love seeing him more stuff, you know, recently. Uh, with those more with Anderson stuff or just kind of quirky stuff. I love him as an actor. And I think it was in Righteous Gemstones last season. He was hilarious in that. So he plays like the villain, Spot, which I think it was kind of Spot was pretty, pretty funny casting, if you ask me. But I want to give a shout out to um, uh, Luna Lauren Velez, who plays his mom, Rio Marlaus. I think what really kind of sold me on this movie is the dynamic between Miles and his mom. It's a very touching story about like his mom is making, wanting to make sure his son does well in the world. And making sure he wants his mom wants you know see him you know succeed and follow his dreams, follow his passion, but like also don't go too far because you know they're very close and she wants to see, she wants she wants to be close to her son. So I think it's a really beautiful story. I really think her voice acting as well as Shamik Moore are just two just really they kind of stood out the most of like even though it's voice acting, you can tell the passion and the craftsmanship, dedication they're putting into their voice acting like they would do like a normal live action movie. I love that about it. Um, again, Jake Johnson back as Peter B. Parker. Still great casting, if you're asking me, because he plays a different kind of reason. Peter Parker's kind of like in the broken, like older version of Peter Parker, which I love about it. Um, but yeah, so many great voice acting. And like I said, I really do give credit a lot to Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Um, uh, just because of like, they bring, they know how to bring in such great talent, I think. That's credit to their, you know, craftsmanship as filmmakers, as storytellers, because I think everyone wants to work with them. I think even before um, Into the Spider-Verse, I think it was like, you know, Lego Movie, A Chance with the Meatballs, you know, uh, 21 Jump Street, like, they have such a great, unique way of storytelling where it's so refreshing each movie. And, I, again, I love the Jump Street movies so much. They're really dear to my heart, my, to my favorite you know, comedies of all time. And they just, the way they tell a comedy was just so funny and so unique and so kind of different and clever when they came out. And, again, I think 10 years later, they still hold up very well, if you ask me. Um, but, yeah, just all the animation is just, it's just gorgeous. Um but I do have some cons with the movie as well, even though I loved it. Um, you know, it's two and a half hours, and that's long for any movie. But for animation, it does feel almost a little bit long, if not longer. Um, I think the first half hour drags a bit, where there's a lot of scenes of like dialogue and character interactions that just kind of feel just kind of feel just like a little bit dragged out, a little slow. And at first, I was kind of like, okay, I'm with this, but. I do feel kind of a little bored and it's kind of just kind of dragging out scenes of dialogue and scenes of interaction with different characters. I was like, all right, I guess, but it's two and a half hours. I mean, they got to use their time wisely, but that, I think the first, not half, I mean the first half of the first half, half an hour, I think, dude, does drag a little bit. And I was like, okay, what's going on with it, guys? Let's, you know, let's keep moving forward. Um, and you know, I'm big about pacing now. I think I've been noticing pacing a lot more in movies now where I'm like, oh, good pace. This is kind of quick. This is really fast. It was, I like this. Or it was drawn out a little bit more, but it was worth it. It was rewarding. Okay, I like that a lot too. And I, th I do think with this movie, it has that. Like, hey, it was a bit long in the beginning, but it, it is rewarding towards the end of the movie and throughout the entire movie after the first, maybe first half, um, first act maybe, or the first half of the first act. Um, that's I'll give it that. As well as, again, I will praise the animation Till the day I die, I think animators are just artists. They put in so much work. They put a lot of themselves in this in these movies. I think when they're in Gwen's world, I won't spoil too much. It's very distracting because her animation is very different from Miles compared to Peter's and you know Twenty Nine Nine and other different universes. But there's scenes of like kind of intense dialogue and emotional scenes. 
they would change the animations like left and right, different shades of color, like keep doing it like in, in, either in the background or like on characters' faces. And to me, it's very noticing, very distracting. I feel like just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it when beautiful animation because there was like really heartfelt moments between Gwen and her dad and like very intense scenes of dialogue of like, yeah, like things that were going on. And then you would see different colors, different colors, different colors, background change, different colors, background change, all in the same scene while they're in the same kind of location. And that to me, I was kind of like, whoa, this is kind of like, this is giving me a little bit of a headache because I'm like, this is distracting. Like I'm noticing it more than I'm noticing it, no, noticing the scene or hearing the dialogue or hearing the interaction or whatever. I'm like, I want to be more focused on the interaction and dialogue of the characters than look at us, different colors. Oh, let's go over here. There's new color over here. Color on the face, different color on, the, on, their, on their face. And I'm like, yeah, but what, again, you have the beautiful animation. Don't overdo it, I feel like. I do think they were kind of overdoing it a lot when they're on Gwen's world. And then they go back to her world throughout the movie. And I was like, again, they're back to they're doing the same thing again where it's changing animation, changing background, changing color palettes. And I'm like, again, you're trying to show off how great animation, animation you have. And believe me, I believe I you do. But you shouldn't really overdo it because it takes away the importance of the scene that was going on. So that was my two biggest takeaways, of my cons in the movie, I would say. Um, I listened to a show called Double Toasted uh, with Corey Coleman and Martin Thomas, who I just I love them so much. They're one of my favorite podcasts. The two guys from Houston reviewing movies, great show. I highly recommend their show as well. And Martin, one of the co-hosts, was like, he actually, I looked at all the different reviews on YouTube and podcasts over the weekend. And he was the first one that I could, like, that I said it was like the animation was kind of distracting when it was like changing left and right all in this like one minute scene or two minute scene because it is again we want to be more focused on the dynamic between these two characters and the dialogue and conversation itself than flashy flashy colors flashy colors because I'm like again it's taking away distracting but like I said I've had my two biggest kind of gripes with the movie cons of the movie but it didn't make me take away a huge rating of it uh, overall but that's about all I can say about my cons but yeah, I mean, the what I really do like the best movie kind of sold it home for me was the message about finding yourself, and I think that's a very important no matter how old you are, whether you're in your teens or 20, you know young adults, fifties, you know if you're an elder adult, I think you still can feel find the message of like finding yourself very relatable. And this one's about you know Miles is trying to find who he is as Spider Man. There's and in the, when he meets up that so many more Spider Man than just him. How do you make yourself unique? How do you make yourself kind of stand out the most? Like, how are you different? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I think it's very important that no matter what what age you are, where you come from, you shouldn't compare yourself to like different people because it never sits well with you. I think it also it's like you should live your life that you want to live it and don't feel like pressure to like be someone else or be someone different because this person's doing it, this person's doing that. Because we, we all come from different backgrounds, different, you know, what ways of life, walks of life and ways of life. So I love that. Like, you know, Miles kind of figuring out like, how am I? How am I Spider-Man for me and my and my universe? You know, how am I gonna be the best Spider-Man? How am I gonna be unique to myself? Because when he meets all these thousands of thousands of Spider-Men in this universe, all together, it's the Spider Society, everyone's similar in a way. They're all Spider-Man, but how do you make yourself different? How do you make yourself unique in yourself? I love that about it because again, it's very he's it's, he's Miles dealing with the conflict of you know both you know internally externally of like yeah I'm not. I'm not a Peter Parker. I'm not a Gwen Stacy. I'm not you know, Miles. Mor- I'm not this. I'm Miles Morales, and it's important for me to represent who I am as a person, finding who I, whom I am, and also like figuring out what kind of journey I want to be on, and 
not 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 letting anyone tell me what I can and what I can't do. And I just love that. I think it's very important. Again, yeah, like I said to whoever, to whatever whoever you are, male, female, uh, you know, background, different background, ethnicity, sex, everything, cultures. It's very important to kind of make sure you know, make your own journey, follow your own path, because no one can tell you what you can and can't do. And I love that about it. Um, let's see. Like I said, uh, again, this also was a part one of part two. I knew that a year ago. They, they pushed it back a couple of years because of freezing animation and different, you know, COVID, we're still in COVID anyway. So it is a big setup of part one of part two of a, of a larger story. However, they do a very good job of making this kind of stand on its own. You know, it's part two of a trilogy. This movie can stand on its own for sure and has legs of like, hey, look, look we can do, we do, we did a lot. We established a lot of world building, a lot of, you know, uh, conflict for Miles, a lot of kind of just, you know, like, different, a bit of an arc in this own movie from the beginning to the end because Miles is definitely a very different person than he was at the beginning of the movie than he was at the end of the movie. And so I do credit a lot to the filmmakers and Phil Lord, Chris Miller, that they really do, really do do a good job of keeping this movie its own even though it's part of a bigger story. I love that about it. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's movies that are this big one big set up. Again, I love Dune. I love 2020. One's Dune by Denis Villeneuve, one of my favorite filmmakers, one of the top 10 movies of that year. But that movie for sure is a big setup for part two. Still loved it. I think it for sure can stand on its own. However, it does rely on a lot of like, wait, to come what's next? You know, what's going to come next after this? And that's a big, it's a really big like alley-oop to part two. Same with, I would compare this one to like almost Infinity War. Infinity War is a big, big, it's a huge movie. But it for sure, if you watch it on a rewatch, it for sure can watch, stand on its own of like what this movie is, the conflict, you know, the characters, what's going on, different situations, different scenarios, different storylines, and stay it's on its own. We float on its own for sure. Where Endgame also again, it's a part of the conclusion of a four-part you know series, but it for sure can stand on its own. I love and I love that about, that about Infinity War as well. Uh, like I said, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, love these guys. I think the writing is just very. Very witty, very clever. No matter if it's an animated movie or not, they just know how to write really good dialogue for any kind of genre, whether it's comedy, whether it's you know drama, whether it's animation, whether it's you know whatever. They just know how to write really good, good at telling really good stories and creating and creating world building and conflict for characters and, giving, and making everyone feel relatable enough. And they also wrote this with Dave Callahan, who you know, Dave Callahan to me is a very fascinating guy. I don't. I don't love all of his work as a writer. I think he's good. With, I think he's good as a co-writer, because I'm not the biggest fan of the first Expendables movie with all the actors. It's it's cool. It's it's something special. Um, I didn't love Shang Chi as much, but I think the writing that is definitely unique for what it, for what it was going for. Um, what else he did? Uh, Zombieland Two. He co-wrote it, but again, um, uh, Rhett Reese and okay, Paul Wernick. Who wrote Deadpool, Deadpool one and two, Deadpool three, uh, as well as um, the first Zombie Land? They wrote it as well. So again, co-writing, and they also co-wrote Wonder Woman eighty four, which I know people despise that movie for some reason. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's kind of a fun movie. Kind of came out during you know mid COVID. It was like still like very like oh what's going to happen next. I don't think it was terrible. People as good as the first, no, but like I said, I don't think it's terrible. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he's had some hit or misses as a writer. That I think I think I've seen from him. I love, but I think that he paired with two genius writers, which is again Phil Lord and Chris Miller, as a very smart move on his behalf because he can now kind of expand his word in animation and work with these two guys who just know how to write great stuff. Who are Oscar winners now? 
Uh, so and I think all the writing kind of like comes together full circle and it really works for this movie whatsoever. That to me, I think some of the humor did not work for me as much in this in the first movie, but however, this humor in this movie worked a lot better, no doubt about it. Uh, a lot of good surprises. You know, we live, we live in this era now, just of like we gotta spoil everything. And I'm trying to avoid you know social media more and more. And you know, then we we host a, a a movie show, a review show. Is like even though I do this for work sometimes. It's also frustrating when we go on, you know, social media, doing research, whatever, for a movie, and then, oh, yeah, this part happens. Like, come on. Like, you shouldn't take away from other people's enjoyment. I think we're getting worse, whether it's on TikTok or Reddit or Twitter or Instagram, whatever, is that let people enjoy the movie. I think a week is, I think, to me, I think a week is like, hey, give it a week and then you can talk about it. But if you're going on, like, the moment the movie comes out, like opening night on Thursday or matinee on a Friday, you're just kind of being dickish it's kind of being unfair i'm like you know what let people enjoy the movie but i try voting as much as i can place out on a sunday and i saw a few things that were gonna spoil it for me and i was like all right whatever but i'm glad that not too much was spoiled for me a lot of surprises in this movie that I won't go in remember this is a non-spoiler review i'm not going it just you shouldn't take enjoyment from other people it's because oh look how crazy this is for me like i once on no way home i trust my social media for a full week i was like absolutely not um, I am really bunkering down, like, no thank you, because if I, if I, I knew Toby and Andrew were going to be in the movie, but if I saw a clip of already before they, before it came out, the, the, the minute, I'm like, come on now, like, what, really? Like, uh, but that happened to me, so glad it didn't happen to me, but this made a lot of good surprises that I'm glad that was, was spoiled, so if you can avoid, if you can avoid, if you can avoid spoilers, I would try to, because I think it's worth the payoff and worth, like, what's revealed and what isn't revealed and what who shows up who doesn't show up and I think it's very it's very rewarding uh again uh also you know me I really love a good soundtrack as I remember as a kid buying the CDs from Borders and Barnes and Noble or when iTunes and in Walmart I feel like I was I used to buy CDs and like buy like the hard copy and then digital copies of soundtracks whether it's School of Rock um Space Jam um oh my gosh let's goes on and on I remember buying the flushed away CD at Barnes and Noble like years ago that was when I was a kid a gift card to it. So I used to love buying soundtracks no matter what. Now I'm older, still buy soundtracks. I buy them on vinyl uh, or buy them on, get it, or I stream them on Apple or Spotify. So uh, I just love, again, I'm a sucker. I'm a nerd for good soundtracks. Not so much score, but like for soundtracks. Again, like the Fast and Furious soundtracks and again, uh, Space Jam. And I remember like Mike was a big soundtrack favorite of mine. A lot of Adam Sandler movies and Will Ferrell movies growing up. So, again, I'm a big soundtrack nerd and appreciator. This, to me, has a great soundtrack. Metro Boomin, who I love as a producer. Um, you know, he's a great album this year, last year called Heroes and Villains I Love. He did uh, Savage Mode 2, which I loved when, during COVID. with 21 Savage. This I love that Phil Lord, Chris Miller listens to, like, they knew, like, hey, this young producer who's you know, killing the game in hip-hop and rap. Let's bring him in. Because, you know, I think when good soundtracks really work is when the story... When like they kind of match the story, match the vibe, match the characters. For example, like Black Panther with Kendrick Lamar and TDE, they match that album so well. The songs match to like Killmonger, to Chala, to Wakanda itself, to like this movie itself, and that was just genius both on Ryan Coogler's part, Kendrick Lamar's part, TDE's part, where they knew how to craft, craft a perfect soundtrack for a really important movie. And I think with this one as well, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Sony brought in Metro Boomin, who again has been killing it recently as a producer working with some of the biggest hip-hop names and singers and, and artists right now, and that Metro Boomin really made this album 
to match, you know, what Miles is going through, what Gwen is going through, what, you know, Miguel O'Hara is going through, what Spider-Verse is going through itself. And I've been playing it on nonstop since it debuted on this past Thursday. And man, it's it's a really good soundtrack. It really does match the vibe of the movie. And certain scenes of the movie, the songs that they pick for the for the scenes itself work so well. And again, that's, that's props to Metro Boomin as a creator himself. And you're now working with, you know, filmmaking and uh, motion pictures. And again, also again, I give Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Sony, whoever brought him in, was that, hey, let's, we're going to bring in this guy who right now is very a voice, voice of generation for hip-hop and rap and uh, works with some phenomenal artists. And so they kind of craft this soundtrack as Miles' story, but also for Gwen's story, for Miguel O'Hara's story, and for the Spider-Verse story itself. And I think that was very smart on their part. Oh, the soundtrack, can't wait to buy it on vinyl when it comes out, if it comes out on vinyl. So again, I hope I, I hope he comes back for part three. I really do. I think he did a fantastic job with the soundtrack. It's very, and all the songs just work. And I hit the feels and also just kind of amp you up for the movie itself. So loved it. Um, one thing I will say, it's, this fight is not spoiler. I'm trying not to walk around spoil as much as I can. The movie kind of for sure, even though it's dealing with, you know, multiverse, not so much time travel, it had a Back to the Future vibe of it that I really liked about it because, you know, both Marty and and uh, Miles are both kind of like similar in a way of like, they, they're discovering themselves in the larger than life scenario. I mean, yes, Marty, Marty didn't have superpowers, but he had time travel. You know, Miles has, you know, superpowers, but also now he's the power of traveling dimensions and how that happens. And I think that's really, I kind of the comparison of like, young kids watching this kind of like Back to the Future. And this for sure, Back to the Future 1 and Back to the Future Part 2 kind of vibe for it. Again, last spoiler is, I watched, when I was watching it, I'm like, this feels like Back to the Future 2 in, blah, blah, in this scene or in this scene or in that scene. And I love that. Again, could be just me kind of just making my own comparison, my own uh, like kind of like drawing, you know, conclusions, whatever. Like that, that crazy, um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie meme, like the, all the lines, he's going crazy or whatever. But, I saw a lot of comparisons to Back to the Future, both one and two, and I'm like, I really like this a lot because they both kind of have a similar vibe and kind of similar stakes to be kind of like lost or, you know, important stakes that are important both to Marty and to both the Miles in this movie especially. So if they did, again, hats up to the filmmakers, to Phil Lord and Chris Miller for that because, man, if they did that, awesome. You and my respect because, again, as you know, Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time, and I love part two and part three, but number one and two, two are... First two, I just love so much. They're really dear to my heart. But uh, yeah, guys, so I'm giving this right now ooh, I'm nine or I'm gonna give it an eight and a half or close to a nine out of ten. I just really, I really like this movie a lot. I had so much more fun with it than the first one. I'm not gonna lie, in the first one, I remember seeing with some friends in college. I think I was packing for my semester abroad to London. I met some friends before I was, you know, saying goodbye to some friends before my I moved to London. And I think I fell asleep in the first one in theaters, and I felt so bad because I was like so hyped for this movie. I love Spider-Man. I for sure dozed off. I think my friend Cody was like, yeah, I think you dozed off the part of the movie. I was like, oops. So, But I watched it again when I was in London. I still liked it, but I didn't love it as much as I did with this one. But this one, I think, to me, improved so much. It's a better sequel. And it's a really, again, one of those rare sequels that kind of improves on the first to me, if not better than the first one. So I'm giving the first one right now eight and a half, close to a nine out of ten. Worth seeing it. See it in Dolby. I saw it in Dolby Cinema. I'm trying to explore more. Again, I'm, I'm an IMAX nerd until the day I die, no matter what. But this wasn't filmed for IMAX. But if you, if, I think it's very important to see these in premium uh, formats, whether it's Dolby, IMAX, uh, 40X, um, I'm to think, ScreenX, a Prime at AMC. So I saw it in Dolby, and the colors were just beautiful, and the sound was loud, and it was booming. 
Um, it was very kind of like you, you were immersed in this movie the moment the the credits started rolling. So I would definitely see it in a large premium format, a Dolby, um, or just see it in general. See, go to the movie, see it in general. It's it's fun to see it with the crowd. Uh, it's fun seeing it with the crowd. I mean, my crowd was mostly like it was kids, but mostly adults. But I love seeing that too. Like you know, we're still showing up for Spider Man, showing up for Miles' story, showing up for you know really good animation. So. Worth seeing in theaters. I can't wait to watch it again. I'm for sure buying this on 4K when it comes out because I can't wait to watch it again, again on TV and pausing and watching it. Certain, I miss. I probably missed so much Easter eggs. That I'm kind of need to go back and like see what I missed. Um, but yeah, for sure, eight, eight and a half, close to a nine out of ten. Go see, support animation, support this movie because I can't wait to see part three and see how they expand uh, in the Spider-Man universe. Alrighty, now we're getting into the ranking. Um, it was and it was kind of hard to say, you know. I love all these Spider-Man movies, you know, equally. I mean, yes, there are some as some good ones as the as like others, but I don't think there's really a bad Spider-Man movie. I, I we'll get into this, but like I still have some appreciation to both Spider-Man Three and Amazing Spider-Man Two, despite the flaws and the criticisms of the movie. But I I like I love all these movies because Spider-Man is like he means so much to me as a character and. I know. As growing up, I still I'm still attracted to these stories and still attached to these movies. Like, and as I was 24, yeah, 24 when I saw Into the uh, No Way Home a year, two years ago, and I was just like, like, it was like being a kid again. I was so excited. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep at night. I was watching all watching all the Spider-Man movies beforehand. I was like, so, it's like Christmas to me. Like, oh my god, we're seeing No Way Home. Like, I and I knew Toby and Andrew were gonna be in it, but like how they're gonna be, it, I didn't know. But I, again, I love these movies so much. So, all right. Let's see if I can rank these now. And I, get, I think all of them are good filmmakers too. I think you know Mark, uh, Tim uh, Raimi did a job kind of bringing superheroes, big superhero movies to life after kind of like Tim Burton did, and then you know, Brian Singer did with X Men. Um, and also too, I think uh, Mark Webb. I, you know what? I and I do think Mark Webb gets a lot of slack too. I think he brought something new and unique to the um, to the franchise as well. Um, even though those movies weren't as well well received, I, I still like them. I think Andrew Garfield was a very good Spider-Man. Peter Parker not so much, but we'll get to it. All right, so starting at number ten, I have Spider-Man three. Listen, as a kid, I was obsessed with Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. All three of them. I remember my dad took me to the fir- first oh, the first time I saw a DVD for my birthday. I remember seeing that, but I remember my dad took me opening night Spider-Man two when I was a little kid. And I was just obsessed with those movies. I was just obsessed with Doc Ock and Tobey Maguire. Like, I wanted to be Spider-Man so badly. It just it was a it was a big part of my childhood. Spider-Man three I remember seeing when I was I want to say nine. I remember seeing it a little bit later. I think it was you know with life and I was doing you know sports whatever. I just didn't see it as early as I wanted to. But I remember my dad took me and my brother to go see it, and I was kind of just like whoa. I was like glued to it because it was like wow, black suit Spider-Man. That's so cool. And when you're a kid, you're kind of like oblivious to all the flaws and like kind of like. Well, that makes no sense. And again, as a kid, I loved, as my parents this, I loved literally every movie I saw, no matter what it was. I, I had, I, anywhere I saw in theaters, I loved it. Could be anything. Could be SpongeBob SquarePants, Sea Spot Run, Scooby Doo, whatever, Spider Man. I literally loved every movie I saw in theaters. But Spider Man Three, although as a kid, and I got older, I'm like, oh, there's some flaws to it. Yes, I think Ven- why is Venom in that? I don't know why. I love Venom as a character. Love Venom as a villain. But it's crowbarred in there for sure. Topher Grace, good actor, miscast on so many different levels. Uh, the show is focused on Sandman, or Sandman and New Goblin by um, Harry you know, Harry played by James Franco because that's more personal to you know him to you know to Peter and Spidey, and 
I think Venom in there was just too much, too many different villains. I remember at that time where, you no, know, like, look back at a lot, lot of, it was at the time with a lot of villains for one movie. And I think it was kind of convoluted. Some great scenes, you know, any scene with, you know, when Harry and him t- teams up, team up, it's awesome. And the first scene in the black suit Spider-Man, when he's kind of discovering the power for the first time and seeing how strong he can be, it was very interesting. Again, Tom Sandman Church was a great villain of Sandman, well, they brought him back from No Way Home. Uh, but, you know, it's, if you watch again, it's, it's a movie that kind of dampers what could have been an amazing trilogy because the first, no pun intended, the first two are just phenomenal superhero movies. They're great storytelling. Sam Raimi does this thing of like this beautiful like directing, great shots, great acting. But I think three dampers from what could have been a fantastic trilogy. So I had Spider-Man 3 number 10. Again, slug the movie for what it is. I enjoy it, but not, not the best. Number nine, I have The Amazing Spider-Man, which I know probably like people are like, well, it's kind of low for you. I remember when I first saw it, I think I was so spiteful. I, I was like, it should have been Toby. Why do we have a new Spider-Man? Like, how dare you? And I, as a kid, I was very naive of like, I, I don't know how reboots and remakes kind of work, but I was like, why isn't Toby being the Spider-Man? Why, why is he gone? I was like devastated. I was like, he's my Spider-Man. He's my superhero. Like, he means so much to me. And I remember seeing you know, Andrew Garfield you know, from Social Network. I'm like, oh, this kid's going to be a good actor. Like, he's a phenomenal actor. Like, He's gonna be great, but it's, to me, I was so like, kind of like, I was like a little shot, like, no, like, how dare they replace Toby? And I remember seeing it like in high school with some friends over the summer, and I'm like, okay, this was it was cool. I I, I didn't love it the much. I think my friends did. Some of the humor didn't really work for me. I was like, oh, it's kind of silly. I like the lizard was kind of like really bad. It wasn't the best CGI. But you know, to be fair, over time, I've grown to love that movie a lot more actually because I feel like Andrew was a really good Spider Man. Is he the best Peter Parker? No. I think he was kind of too cool and too kind of like, yeah, look at me, like kind of like too hipster-ish to be Peter Parker. And also he's very handsome too. Where I think, you know, it, Peter, Peter Parker is a you know, handsome guy, but like he, he's more relatable. I think Andrew Garfield was just very handsome and very just like too cool for school. So it docks some points down for me. Um, also, I do think something like the the web sling, the the, the this web swinging throughout the city looks really kind of over CGI'd where in Toby, you know, early 2000s, it just, to me, felt more groundbreaking and felt more kind of just like, this could happen. Um, but I do like making Spider-Man a lot more than I think about it, you know, the more I watch it. But it's a little clunky midway through, like, kind of drags a little bit with certain scenes with the lizard. But I do, like, I do appreciate what Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man a lot more. So that's number nine. And oddly enough, number eight is Amazing Spider-Man too. And I remember people were like, like, what? People, people I talked to despise this movie. Are like, they, like this is the worst Spider-Man movie ever. I think it's fun. I remember seeing this also in high school with some buddies. And we're like, if I remember going in, I'm like, I did not like the first one at all as, as much. It was fine. But I remember having a good time with this one. I remember having a good time with this one. Like, I love his new suit. It looked more Spider-Man to me. I think Intergraphic kind of like embodied more of Peter of Spider-Man a lot more. Still a little too cool to be Peter Parker, in my opinion. But he was just, he was cracking jokes, quipping jokes as Spider-Man perfectly. Um, I love that, like, he's kind of, like, finding himself again, like, post-high school. Like, what are you going to do after high school? Like, what are you going to do? No, it was, look at Gwen. Gwen is now moving on. Like, you want you want to be with her, but you promised her dad in the last one that you stay away from her so she doesn't get hurt. And I just really liked that kind of, like, him trying to figure himself out while still trying to follow the love of his life, even though it's just, it's not going to work out, but he still... Trying to be optimistic, and I think Jimmy Fox is a good electro. A little kind of goofy, having him look in the with the blue and like the, the kind of the coat back comb over and the glasses and the gap teeth. A little silly, 
And I don't think Dandy Han, Dandy Han was the bad Green Goblin. I think it was a little forced into it a little bit. I think they should have been focused on, again, Spider-Man 3, they should have focused on either Goblin or Electro. Don't bring them all in at the same time because it's too much going on. It's, it is a little convoluted. But I had a lot more fun with this one than I did the first one. I think cinematography is really amazing. Like the scenes where he's, I think some of the best swing scenes of Spider-Man is actually making Spider-Man too. With like when he's going the first ten minutes of the movie, fighting crime, or uh, midway through the movie when he's going to like fighting other crime and fighting Electro and fighting the Goblin. Um, I do think it's one of the best emotional endings ever because even though Spider-Man's supposed to be the good guy and win at the day, he kind of loses at the end of the day when he loses Gwen. And I like that kind of like shows. Hey, listen, even the best superheroes can lose, still lose. You know, you might do everything you can in your power, but no matter how hard you try, it might not always end up. Especially if you're Spider-Man, because no matter how hard you try, you're gonna lose the people around you, the people that you love. So, I like that a lot. So I have that number uh, eight. Number seven, I have Far From Home. I think this is a very good Spider-Man movie as well. I again on the hype of you know, uh, this is right after Endgame. This is you know after Infinity War, after Homecoming. So much hype. It's a very, very good movie. And I think Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio was awesome casting, if you ask me. I love him as an actor. I love him as a performer. And I love Mysterio as one of my favorite villains, too. I mean, him and Venom are just two of my favorite top Spider-Man villains of all time. And I like that. In the trailers, it was misdirected of like how he's going to be like. And I, I knew as a Spider-Man fan, I'm like, this is kind of for sure a misdirect because I know how Mysterio really is. And I liked how they used him, they utilized him in the movie, like technology and illusion, stuff like that. Um... But it's it's watchable a lot. But some of the humor was kind of like to me. I was like, eh, humor's not as crisp as you know, Homecoming was, or I didn't feel like oh, it wasn't it wasn't as like clever as the first one. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I think I, I mean, also I just, I remember just getting back from London. One before it came out, I remember they going to London. It was to me like, oh cool, they're going to study abroad. I, I just came back from my study abroad semester, so I could relate to it a lot too. Like that aspect too. And I think John Watts is a very good filmmaker. When it comes to like handling Spider-Man when he's outside of New York as well, uh, but like I said humor kind of took it down for me a little bit, and I wish the script was a bit tighter, like how it was with Homecoming. Um, I think it was all hyped too after No Way Home, after, after Infinity War and Endgame, like what's going to happen next, and it was definitely like entertained a lot. I think it ends on a really cool note of like what's going to happen next. Like stay tuned. Um, but yeah, I, I like it a lot. But when I go back to it, I really do like some of the movies more than that. Especially No Way Home and Homecoming, but still a very good Spider-Man movie. I I on all again all I don't know these movies on 4K, so still love it. Despite its flaws, uh, number six I have Into the Spider Verse. You know what? Actually, my hmm, I'll think of it. Actually, I'm telling you guys this telling you guys this ranking. I might switch into Spider Verse and far, far from Home a little bit. But anyway, that's next time. Um, so yes, I have number six. I have Into the Spider Verse. Like I said, as, as I told you at the beginning of the episode, review episode, I thought this movie was beautifully animated, great storytelling, great voice acting, very fresh, very innovative. As a year of three great superhero movies, it was this, uh, Infinity War, and Black Panther. It just doesn't hit all the notes for me. Again, I think it's a little overhyped when I saw it. I do think the humor really worked for me. Good voice acting, but Nicolas Cage thing was kind of like, oh, that was, was funny. Spider-Ham didn't work for me personally. Penny Parker was beautifully animated. Didn't really work for me either. It's it tries to be a little too weird at times, but they focus more on just Gwen, Peter, and maybe Miles. That would have been maybe a tighter story for me. Like, okay, this this works for sure. But like I said, great animation. Kingpin is very menacing in this movie, even though as a 
animated movie. He's very menacing. He's very like he's very he's very um, ominous and very dark and very like he means business. We're talking about we haven't seen really like a kingpin like that. I mean, we have Daredevil, but not for Spider Man. That is so that was really refreshing. Um, uh, again, good soundtrack as well. It just at the, around the time this animation for sure kind of like broke the mold of like what what, what animation could be, what, what what it can be, and like I said, it was very important that I think people saw Miles Morales, people saw themselves in this story. It was a year of like you know important representation in movies with Black Panther and with this movie especially. It was just like people find themselves in the movie or the story that anyone could wear the anyone could wear, anyone could wear the mask. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Miles, Peter, or Gwen. It could be anyone. Anyone could be Spider Man in their universe. I love that message too. So. That's number six. Number five, I actually have Across the Spider-Verse. I'm not going to bore you with my review. As you already heard. Loved it a lot. I think, think it's a way better way better movie than the first. It's definitely better than some of the Spider-Man movies I just ranked. Can't wait to watch it again. Number five is Across the Spider-Verse. These, are, okay, these four are going to be more personal to me. So, Spider-Man 4. So, at four, I have Spider-Man, the original, with Tobey Maguire. Like I said, I remember getting that movie... On DVD for my birthday from one of my family. I forgot who gave me that movie on DVD. But anyway, I remember watching it. I remember my dad when I was a kid. So he also was on Spider Man. I remember seeing like the TV commercials on TV and like the music videos like coming soon. And I, I didn't see it. I was too young. I mean, it was like me five or six when it came out. So I was like, oh, I'll see it eventually. And I remember getting it on DVD. And I, I kid you not, I remember putting the DVD in on my Xbox and I just remember just our DVD player and I would watch that thing over and over again. If you know me, Spider-Man and Barney were the things I watched over and over as a kid, <laughs> no matter what. It's Barney VHS tape and Spider-Man DVD. I watched Spider-Man over and over and over again. I was just like, as a kid, the Goblin was so scary. It was like a horror movie to me. And now I know about Sam Raimi. His background was in horror before he became a you know superhero director. And I was just obsessed with this movie. I was obsessed with Spider-Man. Like it was so cool. I wanted to be Spider-Man. I remember getting my dad, my parents, my, my mom and dad like bought me all these Spider-Man books. I remember that summer, I was, Halloween, I was, I was Spider-Man, my little like onesie, whatever. I was so obsessed with Spider-Man. I remember watching all the special features and like the, like the behind-the-scenes footage. I was just like, this is so amazing. How can this be like real? And that was definitely a big part of like why I love you know movies so much because it made me feel larger than life. Like this, this could be possible. And I remember like I remember my dad, I think to my parents, I think like my parents me to Blockbuster and to like rent the, rent the Spider-Man game on Xbox like over and over again for weeks. I was obsessed with this movie. Like I wanted the game so badly too. But yeah, I, 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 I love I, I love that for Spider-Man. It means so much to me of like my introduction to Spider-Man as a character and to McGuire as an actor and Sam Raimi as a filmmaker. So and Willem Dafoe and Kristen Dunst and everyone just was a big part of who I am today and my love for Spider-Man. So number four is the 2002 the first Spider-Man Tobey Maguire. Number three, I have Spider-Man Homecoming. And I remember seeing Spider-Man Civil War, and I said, hell no, hell no. Absolutely not. Nope, 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 nope. Not my Spider-Man, not my Spider-Man, hell no. I do not want him. Get the, nope, nope, nope. I was devastated. I was like, they replaced Andrew Garfield with this clown? I said, no. And my friend, I saw the time, she was like, give it some time, man. You're being a hater. I was like, no, no, no. Not my Spider-Man. Hell no, hell no, hell no. Absolutely not. I remember that summer, I remember moving to Arizona that summer. My friends and I were like, dude, we're worried, man. It's going to be a bad movie. And I was like, oh, but, but, yeah, Michael, Vulture, Michael Keaton's going to be the Vulture, who I love as an actor. I want to see Vulture on the screen finally. But my friends and I were just like, no, this movie's going to be so garbage. This movie's going to be just, this movie's going to be shit. 
was, I was like, yeah. I, the trailer looked, the trailer showed that Tomicom kind of looks so silly, and I was like, oh no, I was so worried. I was like, what are they gonna do to this movie? And I remember my brother see it opening day, back in 2017, going, and I was like, I'm gonna hate this movie. I'm gonna hate this movie. I'm only seeing it for Iron Man. I'm gonna despise this movie. I freaking love Spider-Man Homecoming. And I love being proven wrong about movies too. I love going in with low expectations, low standards, and being proven wrong. I love that. I love being proven wrong all the time when it comes to movies and shows. I walked out saying, I love this movie so much. I had so much fun. The writing was so clever. It had that John Hughes vibe, which they promised to all, all the audience. John Hughes, kind of like Ferris Bueller and you know, other kind of John Hughes movies. Oh, this movie worked for me on so many levels. The humor works. The soundtrack works. I love the writing. This movie so much. It has it had some it had like eight writers in this movie, and one of them is the, is the kid from Freaks and Geeks, who I love as a filmmaker and director as well. I think it's John Francis Daly is the writer, the guy I'm thinking of. But man, the writing was so good. The direction from John Hughes was very refreshing. It's very unique. It definitely felt like a younger Spider-Man, but it worked. And all my doubts went out the way, and I was like, man, I love this movie. Like I remember having through it, like I love this movie. Michael Keaton, who I love as an actor, one of my favorite actors, was perfect as the, as the Vulture. I love his, you know, villain arc, you know, his backstory, you know, why he's why he's doing this, you know, like what what's his reason as a as a, as a villain, and it worked for me in so many different ways. Um, and the humor worked too. I remember laughing my butt off so many times in this movie. Like, this is hilarious. And I love it's about kind of like in your high school, like you think you know the world, but you don't. Because I was I was for sure like teenager in high school, like. I know more than my parents. I know what's good for me. I know what's I know what's right for me. And you don't. You you definitely don't. Hundred percent you don't. And I love that as much as like he thinks that he knows what to, what's best for him and like he can do all this. But when you're end of the day, you're only 15, 14 years old. You don't you don't know shit yet. You're still developing. You're still learning. But it's relatable, and I think it just works. I love the you know the road trip aspect to go to DC and like him being there. But kind of like cross Spider Verse, Peter's figuring out how he can you know be Spider Man, how to be a teenager, like. He wants to be an Avenger, but like at what cost? And it's again, it's the coming of age story that I, that I think I never saw that, that I thought I was never going to see in a, in a Spider-Man movie, but a superhero movie alone. And it just works. It really works. I I love Spider-Man: Homecoming. I I think I saw it like four times in theaters, and I was just like, I, I love it. And it just to me, it it gave me what Amazing Spider-Man one and two didn't, and kind of had a feeling of the fir- of the first two Tobey Maguire a little bit, but it felt you know more fresher. It was definitely for you know twenty seventeen, you know. The, the, that voice of that year and the, you know these this generation so loved it i will watch that movie over and over again never get bored with it it works stuff with iron man is really good because they don't rely on iron man too much or or a lot it's you know they pepper him in a little bit and it's a great story about like you know your mentor looking out for you don't don't betray him either so loved it and number three spider-man homecoming but the next two i'm still these two, these two are both tied number one but i don't know at number two, I'm gonna have No Way Home. I yeah, I said I love this movie so much too. Like really, like when like I remember during COVID, it was just like they're gonna film Spider-Man three. What's gonna happen? There was rumors like they're bringing back Doc Ock. They're bringing back Electro. And I'm like, no way, they're not. Like they're all dead. How's this gonna happen? And you know, it was rumors. And I was like, yeah. And like they said, oh, I remember reading this maybe like 2020 COVID, like Christmas 2020. Like rumor, there's gonna be all three Spider-Man. I was like. No way. I was I was a doubter. I was like, no way. They're going to bring back Toby and Andrew. No way. Knowing Marvel and Sony, not going to happen. And I put on pause for like a few months. I was like, not going to happen. But then you hear like, oh, they were, in, they were spotted in Atlanta. They were spotted at this place. And I was like, uh, I don't believe it. 
And they go, yeah, remember I talk Ox still. And I'm like, okay, that, that's more believable, sure. The more gone with it, I was like, okay, sure. And I remember that summer was like, that summer of 2021, it was like leaked photos here and there. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I didn't believe it, didn't believe it. And then that first teaser came out in August 2021. And I had no idea that Willem Dafoe was coming back. And that threw me for a loop. I was like, are you kidding me? We didn't see him at all in that teaser. We heard his little ha ha ha, his laugh and his like the goblin bomb. I said, no way. Absolutely no way it's going to be the same goblin. Because I like that. I knew about Doc Ock. I knew about Electro. That's it. I was surprised as hell when I saw that goblin bomb and hear Willem Dafoe's laugh. And then I was like, okay, I need to see this movie like tomorrow. Like tomorrow, now. I was so hyped. Like it was, it was like, it's like August, you know, I started working and it was like more and more months. And then hear more stories. It was like, hey, you're, gonna, you're gonna see Thomas A. in church. You're gonna see uh, Riz Fons, you know, from the Lizard. I was, and, and then the Sandman. I was like, wow, they're bringing in everyone basically. And then Venom came out. Venom two came out, which I like, which I like too. People hate that movie too, but I think it's good. I, I, I like both Venoms. And then that post credit scene happened. And I said, oh my god, anything's possible now. When we saw Venom, look at this TV with Tommy, Tom Holland, Spider Man. I was like, oh, okay, this is where I was like, okay. Anything's possible now. And that second trailer came out. And it was like, I think it was like the week of my birthday, my girlfriend's birthday. And we were like, and I was like watching this over and over again. Like, I'm going to see all the clues. And they showed Jamie Foxx back to the child. You, you saw a Goblin. You saw everyone came back. I was like, oh my gosh. But they didn't show Toby and Andrew. And I remember seeing all these like interviews with both Toby and Andrew. Andrew's like, nope, I'm not in it, man. Sorry. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm not in it. I promise. Like, I wish, but I'm not in it. And I was, starting to, I was starting to believe them. I'm like, no, like, maybe they are in it, but maybe they're not. And you saw more leaked stuff. But it was like, oh, it was Photoshop. It's Photoshop, not real. And I was like, this is pretty real for Photoshop. But I didn't know I didn't know what to expect. I was like, okay, I think they're going to be in it. But they're not in it. I'm going to be disappointed. But it is what it is. Long, long as it's a good movie. And I remember that when the premiere happened, I tried to avoid spoilers. One said, oh, my God, the best Spider-Man movie ever. I can't believe they pulled this off. And I said, okay, that's promising. Opening night, myself, my girlfriend Zeta, Nick, his girlfriend Kaylin. We also had an IMAX opening night. Oh my gosh, I just remember just being so happy. Like, I was crying, I was clapping, I was cheering, I was remember squeezing Nick's hand, squeezing Zeta's hand. I was like, oh my God, guys, it's happening. And when we saw Toby and Andrew show up, I just went ballistic. I was like, oh my God. But no, before that, seeing Doc Ock, who, seeing Alfred Molina, seeing Willem Dafoe, seeing Jimmy Fox, seeing all of them pop up first, I was like, oh my God. They brought back all these guys who I love as villains. This is crazy. Doc Ock, especially. I mean, also Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin. And then when you see when you, when you see Toby and Andrew come in, I was tears in my eyes. I was like cheering. People in the theater was like going crazy, like oh my gosh. People were like on their feet cheering. It was like twenty twenty one, so it was like still like we were still doing with COVID, but it was just fun being in a the theater. People having that reaction. It was kind of like pre COVID with Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame. People going crazy, clapping like like being at a rock concert. And it was just like the experience was so special for myself. I know for Nick and I hope they think it was Ada and Kalen as well, but. It was just so much fun, like, experiencing that with a crowd, being with some good people, and just having an experience with everyone. It's just not having a spoiled for me, too. I was like, thank God, I avoid spoilers. But it was just so special. And then seeing all three of them together, the pointing meme, the great soundtrack, seeing all the, the villains, it just, oh, it, it touched my heart in so many ways. I'm like, I was seeing my childhood Spider-Man on there, my teenage Spider, teenager Spider-Man on there, and then my current Spider-Man on there. It was just, it was just an experience like no other. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. Or, or, or whenever I watch it, I've seen the movie now like a thousand times. I watched it probably five times in theaters. 
when they brought it back for the rerun for like the the extended version on theaters, I would say that saw it that weekend too. I bought it the first day I came on Blue 4K. I'm sure all three of them went like all. Of them. I just love that movie so much. So it, it might feel like my first my favorite one movie, favorite Spider Man movie, but it's it's a tie because it just Spider Man two. Anyways, yeah, yeah, Snow Way Home. I love it's, it's such a special movie. Yes, there's flaws. People have flaws to it, but to me, it's almost, it's probably. A, a, if not near, if not perfect, Spider-Man movie because it brings so much. And having seen all three together was a dream come true. So, at number two, almost one, is Spider-Man No Way Home. Number one, I have 2004 Spider-Man 2, one of the best sequels ever, one of the best superhero movies ever, if you ask me. But again, No Way Home was kind of catching up that number one spot, if you ask me. But Spider-Man 2, I think, I remember as a kid, I having loved the first one so much. And I remember my dad took me to the opening night of the second one. And I was just like amazed because like seeing this, it was just like, the story was amazing. He was seeing Doc Ock. He was seeing how how like amazing the you know practical CGI looked and like the story of you know Spider Man saying I'm done. Like, I don't want to be I'm done with this. I'm done with being Superman. I want to focus on my life. Like I want to be Peter Parker first, then Spider Man. It shouldn't be a priority. Like when do I get my chance to like be my hero of my own story? Love that message. I think Sam Raimi elevated his filmmaking with the te- the fighting, the techniques, the, the the camera work, and I just love everything about it because. The humor is really funny. The humor is better than the first one. All the, the jokes land. Uh, Tom McGuire is a great. He's my favorite Spider-Man. He still he still is my favorite Spider-Man to this day because again, growing up, he's it's it means the world to me. But it just the Doc Ock him because you feel for Doc Ock too because he was trying to change the world and do better, but gets corrupted by the AI, which is now kind of like coming more real now. With the, almost twenty years later, of like oh my gosh, like look at this, and it's just like. The performances from Alfred Molina to Doc to Peter to Tobey Maguire to Kristen Dunst, it, it just all works. And I mentioned some of the other movies, but J.K. Simmons as J.K. J. J. John Jameson is perfect casting. I'm so glad they brought him back for No Way Home because he, it was so funny how his interaction with Peter is and like Peter trying to like work for him, and it just it works. Also the um, the cinematography by Bill Pope. You know, Bill Pope did the Matrix of all movies, and this guy is a phenomenal cinematographer, and he made these amazing shots, these great cinematography shots with like with peter and with doc ock um because it's all about like you know there's more to me than a spider-man which is, which is part of the message too is like peter wants to like say hey listen i'm not a spider-man i'm i'm, I'm peter parker i want to like don't don't lose that part of myself that i'm tr- want to focus on me and then oh man i i love that movie so much it's also a good soundtrack as well but and at the end too where you see doc ock redeemed himself trying to like drowning him in the pool drowning him in the ocean was it the, the ocean or river or whatever because you know he he saw he became a monster. Just it's a very good human story, packed within a Spider-Man movie, which I think is very rare and very special to, I think any comic book movie, but especially Spider-Man too. Um, so I it's still number one. I I do think No Way Home is gonna be my number one soon enough. But like I said, that's my ranking of all Spider-Man movies. I I love these I love this these movies so much, both animated and live action and the game too. I love the Spider-Man game I got for the PS4. I can't wait to get the new one that comes out in a few months with um, him and Miles Morales and Venom, Spider-Man 2 for the, for the PlayStation. I can't wait to play that. Yeah, everyone, that's that's Spider-Man really means a lot to me. So I hope you enjoyed my ranking. I hope you enjoyed my rambling of all these movies because, like I said, they all, all of them mean so much to me in their own specific ways no matter what. Uh, but, yeah, hope you enjoy this bonus slash review episode. And, so guys, go see Joyride. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, go to our Instagram page, our link tree. The links will be there. Or our website, maybe we have a new productions screening tab. Links will be there to sign up for a screening. It's 
a super funny movie. Hope you can, hope you can see a funny movie on us. We you know we want to do more of these screenings and put the word out with these movies over the summer. So look out for our website. Look out for our Instagram. We're we'll be posting a lot more of like uh, announcements and and you know partnerships and uh, screening giveaways and screening RSP sign up RSVP sign up. So look out for that. But until then, guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you at the next episode. Take care, guys.